Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. My name is Quinton. I uh, have been a part of the Life Changes community for 10 years now. And uh, I'm going to share some stories with you today, if that's cool. Um, as we've uh, been journeying through this uh, this incredible series called Devoted. I'm married to Louise. Uh, her name was mentioned just now in the video. And she's an incredible lady. Um, I introduced her last week and said she's delicious. She is. She is. Um, <laughs> we've got four kids. Uh, most of you only know us as having three. Uh, we actually have four. Um, Riley, who's the oldest, is 24 now, and he's charting his own course. Uh, we see him every now and then. He's doing well. And, uh, and then we have, I'm just moving this because I'm going to trip over that carpet because uh, I can't stand still. Uh, and then we have the three that most people know. We've got Matt, who's almost 13. Uh, Annabelle is 10, going on 21. And Liberty Grace is three. So it's fun and games in the house, almost teenagers and then a, a, a toddler. This makes for interesting dynamics, which is cool. So um, I've been, I'm part of the eldership team at Life Changes. Uh, I'm what we call a marketplace elder, an, an MPE. Uh, I'm not an FTE. I got that right, eh? Full-time elder, yes. Um, so most of us are actually marketplace elders, so we, we have um, sort of regular jobs um, like you guys. Uh, Mark and Gabs are the full-time elders. Um, however, in, in most of our jobs, we don't get to dress like this lady over here who just came. Just stand first, Jess. Just, you have to do it. If you haven't seen Jess this morning, she's looking fantastic in her scrubs. Uh, there we go. So we're calling her scrub from now on, <coughs> um, which is great. Uh, yeah, I mean, are those bloodstains? No, never mind. Um, <laughs> so we've been going through the series called devoted, and just spending time in, in terms of Sundays and life groups and really finding out what it means to be devoted to Jesus and his community. And we, um, we believe that you can't actually be devoted to Jesus without being devoted to his community, that the two go hand in hand and you can't have one without the other. And we're gonna, I'm going to talk through some of that today and share some stories with you. But first, we're going to read some scripture and we've been reading the scripture the last few weeks, and some of you are going, wow, are we reading that again? It's good. I know as I read through the scripture the last couple of weeks again and again, God started showing me new, new things, new revelations. So I want to encourage you, never get bored of scripture. There might be scriptures that you've seen over and over again. God wants to show you something new and something fresh every time you read it. So I'm going to do a Gabriel Phillips on you and ask you to stand. Uh, we're going to read through some scripture. If you can't see the words from the back, that's okay. You're going to be able to hear them. So reading out of the book of Acts, chapter 2, it says, Peter replied, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. And he's replying to a question from the people he's talking to because he told them about Jesus. He had told them that, um, that he'd been crucified uh, and, that they, and that, that they need to kind of understand and know who this Jesus is. So they're asking, what must we do? Because it kind of struck them in the heart that this Messiah had been, had been killed but they say now, what do we do now? 
know, what is our response? This is, this is Peter replying to that question. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Can you imagine that baptism service? Eh? 3,000, that's incredible. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. We all want to see signs and wonders. I believe if you want to see signs and wonders, get stuck into community and you'll see them. They happen in community. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, not just the ones who are saved. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity for us to gather as community. Thank you for the opportunity of being able to worship you together, Lord. Pray for this moment. Pray, Lord, speak to our hearts. Open our hearts, open our ears, Lord. We want to hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Can you just go back to that first slide, Tanaka, with the, um, oh, oh, yeah, uh, that's the one. If you look here at verse 40, down the bottom here, it says, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. That, that, that verse kind of really stood out for me over the last couple of weeks. And a couple of interesting things about that verse. Um, in other translations of, of the Bible, they use the word crooked, not necessarily corrupt. Same thing. Many of you think that you live in a crooked and corrupt generation. Don't stress. You're not special. There were crooked and corrupt. The generations were crooked and corrupt back then too. So not much has changed. But Peter says to them, save yourselves. And, and I think often we, in the context of church, we know that what Jesus did is that he died for us and we cannot save ourselves. He does the saving. Yeah, we put the, the, the foot forward and we say yes to him and then he does the rest. But there are some decisions that need to be made. And what's interesting about this, Peter doesn't say sit back and let Jesus save you from the corrupt generation. He says save yourselves. And that sentence is sandwiched between two important points. The first one is at the top there, which is repent. So we start the process by repenting and saying, Jesus, I need you. No longer going to rely on myself. I need you, Lord. Forgive me. And then it's followed by the next slide, which is what we've been basing this series on. It's followed by the, the devotion. So we've got to repent and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And then we have to devote ourselves. And in that process, we begin to save ourselves from a corrupt and crooked generation, which is really cool. And it was just a little aside for you guys this morning. I need to ask you this morning, as we talk this morning around devotion and, and talk about being devoted to grow, I want to ask you this morning, who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? Often, as human beings, we're focused on the now and the past. And that's natural, because we're human. So we focus on the now, because this is our situation, this is what we're going through, this is what I'm experiencing. It's now. 
we're not very good at focusing on the future or casting our eyes forward, we kind of get stuck here. And we'll often sort of cast our eyes back and think about history in the past because the past is often what happened then and those decisions that were made then are determining what's happening now. Yeah? And often we'll blame what happened in the past, the history, that stuff, the decisions. My parents, they did that. And this is where I'm at now. That's kind of a, quite a, a, a human disposition to have. But what Jesus was very, very good at was saying, forget about your past, stop focusing on the present, and cast your eyes forward because what he has in store for you is far greater than what you are going through right now. He said these things. He said, follow me and I will make you. I will make you. So what he's saying is, follow me and I will make you something different. I will form you. I will fashion you. And this was his encouragement, his call to the disciples to something much bigger and greater than themselves. So the things that you are doing today, the decisions that you are making today, have a massive impact on that future. There's a, there's a scripture in Galatians in chapter 6, which is actually quite a, scary, quite a scary scripture, I find. And it says, it says, God will not be mocked. It's like, whoa. It says, you will reap what you sow. So what are you sowing today? So it's quite, God says it's, it's, it's actually very simple. What you're planting in the ground today, you are going to reap in the future. Okay? That's it. Very simple. So what are you sowing today that you are going to reap in the future? What are you becoming? So I know that sounds a bit scary, but on the other hand, it's extremely exciting because as we begin to press into Him, press into community, we begin to grow, we begin to plant the seeds for our future, the right seeds for our future. That, then, then that sentence, that scripture becomes very, very exciting. But it does demand a response. So when Jesus said to the disciples, he says, follow me and I will make you, they had to leave something behind. So this present situation, that past that you've had, that's got to be left behind. That has to be dealt with. They had to leave their nets behind. They had to leave their parents behind. They had to follow this man so that he could fashion them. It demands a response. And I'm asking you today, will you respond? We'll get to that at the end. So with this question in mind, what are you becoming or who are you becoming? I want to give us three ingredients for growth. For growth in Christ and growth in his community that I believe are actually non-negotiables. So if we want to grow, we need to be doing these things. And I hope today to share some stories with you. And I trust that my stories don't come across as someone who's potentially done some stuff and has now arrived, because I really, really haven't. But I want to share some stories with you where I've learned along the way that as I devote myself to him and his community, his future for me begins to unfold. Yeah? Are we good for that? Fantastic. I need more water. I don't know. I mean, I have to leave it here, so I'm going to have to just come down here and get it. Yeah. Cool. So my first point today, as we are devoted to grow, is to, is to be devoted to be known. Devoted to be known. When I got saved... 
when I came to know Jesus, which is now almost exactly 10 years ago, well, a couple of weeks ago was 10 years, I was, um, was a very unpleasant person. I'd spent the best part of my life focusing on me. I had become extremely judgmental. My, my heart was very, very hard. As a little boy, I'd grown up in church. My mom was saved. But I got to a point where I decided that I had no time for church and for Christians. I was not very complimentary about church and about Christians. I had lots of words to describe them. And, um, and I remember getting to a point where Lou had found the Lord. She started coming to Life Changes. We had the two little kids, Matt and Belle. And uh, at the time, Lou didn't drive yet. She was a late, late bloomer in the driving department. Um, so I used to drop her off at church. And um, I used to pull into the car park, get them out the car, and I'd say to them, I'll see you later. And I used to go off. I had a little ritual, and uh, I used to go clean my car. So I used to go get a coffee and a paper. And when I say that, I sound like such a bully. Um but it was my thing, it was my, it was me time, you know, so just get to spend time with myself and, uh, and wash my car. I loved my car um, back in the day. And, um, and I, I remember uh, dropping them off one morning, and uh, one of the elders at the time was a, a gentleman called Graham Powell, and two of you will know him well. And um, he kind of caught me there in the car park as I was dropping in the kids and tried to strike up a conversation, etc. I'm like, oh, my word, how did this happen? So I managed to go, and he's like, oh, are you coming? I'm like, no, no, uh, sorry, I'm busy. I've got some stuff to do. Wash my car. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, you, try, you just want to get rid of it. Uh, maybe next time, maybe next time. So I'm out of there. So now I'm like, okay, when I drop you and the kids off now on Sunday morning, I have to get out of there quickly because I do not want this crazy Christian guy cornering me and forcing me to go to, to, go to church. So I literally would drive into the car park around so my car would now be facing out, Yeah. I would not even get out the car now to help you. I'd say, go get the kids out the car now. And I'd watch the rearview mirror <laughs> to check. If, and then every now and then I'd see Graham. He's like, he was waiting for me. And I'd, I'd start revving the car. I'm like, get the, get the kids out. And I'd, I'd scream out there. I had, I'd, it was crazy. I mean, I just, I could not like have this guy corner me. And, um, so people say, you know, before I was saved, I had a clean car and a dirty heart. Now I've got a clean heart and a dirty car. Well, it's getting, I mean, it's getting washed today, which is cool. <laughs> I don't really care about the car anymore, uh, which is cool. But I, I lived a life of debauchery, to be honest with you. I had um, probably for the best part of 20 years been absolutely addicted to everything lustful. Uh, and it, it, it had absolutely taken control of me. No one else knew. It was my secret. And through that process, I'd also pushed every single person away. Because when you've got a lot of, when, you, when you're carrying many lies and many things that you have to hide, it's easier not to know people and for them to know you because then you've got to start making up stories. So I pushed absolutely everybody away. But, uh, but God knew what he was doing. And uh, at the time, I mentioned Riley, who's now 24. Uh, he, was, he was living with us. Lou had had him when she was very young. And it wasn't going well. And I'd actually given Lou an ultimatum and said that either he's going to go or I'm going, which is a very tough thing to say to a mom. Um, 
But at the time, we had met some friends. I'd actually decided to make a friend. Uh, his name was Warwick Stratum. Some of you may know him. Lou had become friends with, with Liesl. And um, I said to him, I'm in a desperate place. I admitted it. So he said, listen, why don't you come along to church and meet Wally? I know he's like, I know you're not in the church thing. Come along one Sunday. Just have a, have a chat with him after. Maybe he can help. And I was that desperate because I, I hated church. I was that desperate. I said yes. And I went that Sunday morning and um, stood there during worship like this. Some of you will know that stance. And uh, I just watched everyone and thought they're absolutely crazy. And I sat through the service, got through it, had a meeting with Wally. It was fine. Gave us some suggestions, some ideas around how we're going to get through this stuff. I then woke up on Monday morning, and I had no idea what had hit me. God began to deal with me. Nothing had really happened in that service. But God started a process. By the next Saturday, I was so wrecked. I, just, I, I couldn't do it anymore. I just uh, I remember sitting at a kid's party at McDonald's with my phone. No WhatsApp back in those days, believe it, uh, some of you youngsters. So I SMSed Warwick, and I said, can't do this anymore. I give up. And often that's what we need to do. God takes us to that point where we just give up. I'm done running. I'm done fighting. Just do what you need to do, God. And uh, I said to him, I think I need Jesus. And he responded with, I know you do. I <clears throat> uh, went to his house, and it was an incredible time, and I gave my life, and I went to church the next Sunday. This is now a week later. The week before, I'm like standing there thinking, yeah. I walk in the following week, and it was like incredible. Could hear the angels singing. Everyone looked amazing. I was like, I ran up to Graham and said, "How's it?" I look, I'm yeah. And uh, so there was this. There was a change. There was this transformation. But the bigger change was yet to come. And in that moment, in that, I remember that Sunday, I made a decision. I decided that I'm not just going to take this moment and let go and say, "God, forgive me," but I'm going to actually allow God to just absolutely break everything down. I decided, seeing someone in their scrubs, I decided to let God do open heart surgery. And then I would start to share with people my life. I would go home and tell my wife. I remember having coffee with this man. He'd come have coffee with me at work. Um, and I said, I've got stuff. He said, you've got to, got to tell your wife. Ugh, ah, can't. But I mustered up the courage and I told her. And we went on this journey of forgiveness and healing our marriage. I want to encourage you today that if you're holding stuff back, God wants to do open-heart surgery because the only way you're going to be known is when you let stuff out. Because when you don't, you just build up massive walls and no one's ever going to get to know the real you. I want to read you a a piece here by Tim Keller. If you can put that up, uh, Tanaga, thank you. It says, To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. But it's that thing over there, to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. See, the reality is I knew as I walked in that place, if you knew what this heart was like, if you knew how I judged you, if you knew how disgusting I was, if you knew, if you knew about that history, if you'd known about all the stuff I'd done, 
you're not going to love me, let alone like me. But God's got us on this journey of figuring this out. See, to be truly vulnerable in community demands risk. It is risky. And you may be sitting here this morning and potentially you have tried to open up in a context of church and maybe you've been hurt. And I'm sorry. But I believe God is calling you again to risk being vulnerable. So he can start to bring down those walls and those pretenses that we put up so that we can become known. We need to unveil ourselves so that people get to know the real us. See, as human beings, we are hardwired. It's in our biology. We need connection. We need connection, even if you don't think so. You need it. I, um, I often find doing this easier than stepping down into you there and having conversation. But yet there's something inside of me that yearns for that. I need to, I need to connect. The challenge is, though, that shame is the enemy of connection. Shame brings me, I start carrying this stuff, and I'm like, actually, I'm not going to connect. I'm not going to bring the veil down, because then you're going to get to know this thing. And I'm scared that when you get to know this thing, you're not going to like it. Shame is the enemy of connection. You know, a sense of worthiness is connected to a sense of love and a sense of belonging. And you find that people that have a strong sense of love and a strong sense of belonging... They believe they're worthy of it. They believe they're worthy of love, worthy of belonging. I want to invite you this morning to some action steps. And they're probably going to seem, you see, Beth's about to take down the note. I'm inviting you to join a life group. You are ready in, But that's my action step to you this morning. You see, when I started making those decisions, when I said yes to Jesus, Lou and I, with our kids, decided to jump into everything. At that time, we literally did everything. We went to every single meeting. We went to every prayer meeting. We had prayer meetings in those days. We did everything. And we took our kids along to everything. They fell asleep on floors. I remember going to, I'd, I'd been saved a, a couple of weeks. And the way it was raining earlier, it was raining like that one night for life group. And Lou was busy. She had something else on. I was so up for this thing, I took my two little kids, one could walk, one couldn't, and I took them to Life Group. They got drenched in that rain. Life Group wasn't even that fantastic that night, I even remember that. But something happened in me. God did something in my heart, yeah? Making that, I was like, you know what, I don't care, I don't care that this, I had, no one would have said anything. I said, guys, I can't bring the kids out in this rain. I said, oh, of course but I made the decision to do it. I'm going to do this thing. It doesn't matter. I don't care how I'm doing it. And God began to take me on an incredible journey because I started opening up, bringing the veils down, and making certain decisions for Him, even ones that were difficult and uncomfortable. And He had an incredible future in store for me and my family. I want to invite you this morning to join a life group if you're not one. And if you are at one, begin to bring the veil down if you're not. You see, in this context here, it's a much bigger context. It's difficult to do that. I learned to do that in life group. As I sat around, at that time I, I joined a life group that was um, mostly 
uh, much older ladies. Um, it, at the time, it had become the divorcee life group. There were just a, a whole lot of ladies who had been divorced. Um, and I, I started sharing my story with them. And they began to love me. They didn't care where I'd come from. They didn't care what I said. They just began to love me. And I realized, I can do this. I want to encourage you, if you're not in a life group, join one. And if you are in one, allow God to bring the veil down so that you can become known. He's calling us to be devoted to be known. Number two is devoted to be sown. I am... Um, You know when you get saved and you discover Jesus and you everything is amazing. And you it's kinda it is like a honeymoon period. You just like you know, everyone is incredible, every moment Jesus is in it and you just you're flying. And in that process, Luna decided to also get involved. And um, back in those days there were no serving teams. Um, they used to use life groups and the life groups were quite reluctant but they had to do a little bit of serving here and there. I remember 10 years ago, uh, most people were a little less uh, technically advanced than they are today. And so they asked, can you use a computer? I said, yes. I said, would you mind being in the media team? We need someone who can operate that thing. So I said, fine. Started doing that. Um, I remember having been saved a few weeks, and Wally in his, I don't know, um, said, do you want to lead the prayer meeting? I'm like, dude, I don't even know how to pray. I remember before I got saved, I thought prayer was going to a prayer meeting must be the worst thing in the world. Here I am at like I don't know my sixth prayer meeting. You asked me to lead the prayer meeting, and I back in those days I used to just say yes to everything. Um, maybe I shouldn't have, but I said yes. Um, probably wasn't a great prayer meeting, um, but it doesn't matter because God was doing something in my heart. Yeah, so I want to encourage you this morning. Say yes to the things of God. He will take you on an incredible journey. You know what? It might not even be that great in that moment, but he's doing something in your heart. I want to encourage you this morning to get stuck in. You see, most people, they don't move into the fullness of what God has for them because they're kind of just like going through the McDonald's drive-thru. So we all need to eat. And if, you know you get to that point where you're that hungry, where you'll have a McDonald's. McDonald's starts to look good. Um, and every now and then, it, I don't know why, it is good. When you regret it afterwards, it's like the word, oh, what have I done? But, you know, there's that moment. So you can go through, you can do McDonald's drive through all the time. And it will fill you up. You know, you, you're not going to be hungry after that. But after a while, you're just going to start getting bloated and lethargic, and you're going to go nowhere. I want to encourage you this morning to start getting stuck in. We all need to sit and be fed. We all need that. But I want to encourage you that if you're doing only that, that after a while, that's just going to become stagnant. I remember having saved for a little while and kind of probably going through my honeymoon period. And I started to ask lots of questions. I started to really doubt this thing. I started to just, oh, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I forgot about that moment I'd met God. I started to glance over my shoulder. So I think about the past quite a lot. 
And the reality is, in those moments, when I started to look over my shoulder and, and, and the past started to look exciting again, when I look at that now, I realized there were moments when I was not devoted. I had not been devoted to Jesus. I had not been devoted to his community. I started sitting back. I started to consume. And in those moments, the past started to look good again, if I'm honest with you. I kind of felt a tugging on my heart where God's saying, actually, you need to find excitement here again. Because in your humanness, that stuff's going to start looking fun again. And I realized, and I began to get stuck in again, and we asked to see the life group, and we did that. And I'm so grateful. So grateful. Because I realized now that if I had not had those certain things, if I had not, there were moments where I was so doubting this Christianity thing, but still had to go home to lead people in a life group. If I didn't have that, potentially the looking over the shoulder would have been a complete 180. But God, he had me in those moments. So I want to encourage you to get stuck in because we all have challenges. We all have bumpy moments. We all have times when potentially we doubt things. When we're devoted, something happens in us. Our hearts are in. There's something in us that says, you know what, Lord, I'm not sure what's going on, but I'm going to stay. I'm going to hang on. I'm not going to go, because I know when I, when I, that thing there was way worse than what I am now. I know you've done a work in my heart. But as I only realized those things when I was devoted. When I started sitting back and started doing nothing, I, forget, I start forgetting. I start forgetting about how good he's been. I start forgetting about what he's done in my life. I stop seeing the stories. I stop seeing about how God's now touching other people in the story. I want to encourage you to be devoted. It opens your eyes up to a whole new world. I want to encourage you to a second action step this morning. And that is serve. Get stuck in. Invest your time and your efforts. I always tell the youngsters, I, I was joking with Josh this morning. Uh, some of you may know him or not. He's one of the youngsters who is at Tableview and he drums and he's become such a good drummer. And I remember him 10 years ago being this little snot-nosed kid um, who decided he wanted to drum. I remember him practicing on a little drum pad and he wasn't great. But 10 years later, he's incredible. And there he is this morning. I mean, he's, a, you know, he's at university and getting up to serve at church at 8.30 in the morning. That's quite rough for kids at a university. He'd much rather be sleeping today. We kind of joked and said, well, really? It's like, yeah, no, actually sleep's boring. Yeah, this is better. And I encourage the youngsters, I'm like, if you've got time in your hands, get stuck in. Get stuck in. Because if you're anything like me, and you begin, and you begin to be a little idle, yeah, it just goes, just goes pear. goes absolutely pear-shaped. Encouraging you this morning to get stuck in. It'll change your life. Devoted to be sown. Third point this morning, and my last point this morning, so I'm not even going to go that long this morning, is devoted to be grown. So a few years, we've now been saved, we've had challenges, we've had ups and downs, but God has been faithful. And Wally at the time thought uh, it would be a good idea to invite us onto eldership. And uh, that's a 
it's, it's, it's kind of, it's a surreal moment. It's a, it's a in, in some sense, it's a strange moment because part of you is like, wow, you know, that humanness comes out. You're like, oh, hmm, okay, yeah, cool. And then another part of you is going, are you crazy? Yeah? I mean, you know who you are, who you, you know, but you trust God and, and it's been good and he's taken you on this journey. So it's with kind of excitement and trepidation, we said yes. And, um, and it's been an incredible journey. But as we came on to eldership, it was uh, probably the hardest time of our lives for Luna. Some stuff had gone down in the church and um, people who we called friends for a few years um, weren't in a great place and they, and they attacked us. They didn't believe that uh, we should be on eldership and um, they, they had some stuff going on and they were hurting. As Mark always says, hurt people hurt people and, uh, and they went after us. And it was one of the hardest things that we ever had to deal with because we just could not comprehend how our friends could attack us like this. So we had to then process this stuff. But God took us as an incredible growth journey as we did. The incredible thing now is that there's been reconciliation and forgiveness, and God is very, very faithful. But it was a growth story. We had to devote ourselves to grow. At that time, I probably just wanted to lash out at them. No, no, probably I, I did want to. You know, the whole, you know, Mark does that whole animal thing about the reactions. And my natural instinct is I'm the, I'm the snake. Not the snake in the grass, but I'm the snake at all. My defense mechanism is if you're going to come at me, I'm just going to cut you down and keep you quiet. Or I'm going to run and disappear. And all I wanted to do in those moments were absolutely come out all guns blazing. And thankfully, through the grace of God and through friends who surrounded us, we didn't. And God took us on this incredible growth journey. Then I remembered having just been saved. And um, you know, I was in that honeymoon period, and I thought, absolutely, everyone is amazing. Because um, we hadn't got to know each other yet. <laughs> just kidding. And, um, and uh, one of the leaders of the church, I got to feel, I started feeling like this guy really did not like me. And um, so much so that I mean, the mornings I'd walk around, I'd say hello, and uh, he'd just walk straight past me. He wouldn't ever acknowledge me. And this thing began to eat me alive. I started dreaming about it. And you know, if you start dreaming about something, it's a thing. <clears throat> I still dream about exams. It's been many years since I wrote an exam. I still dream about that stuff. haunts me. So I started dreaming about this thing, and eventually I just like I actually went to speak to a friend in the church. I said I didn't tell him about, I didn't tell the guy's name. I said, "Listen, I, this is the situation." So he said to me, "He said, listen, dude, I know you're a new Christian, um, so I'm going to tell you about this. The Bible says you need to go talk to him." I'm like, are you mad? There's no, there's no chance that I'm going to go speak to that guy, because up until that point, that's not how I would resolve the situation. I would just now, okay, so that's how you're going to treat me. I'm going to treat you the same way, and we're going to see how this thing works out. That's how I would deal with situations. But I'm like, okay, but Lord, I've made a decision that I'm going to start allowing you to do the open-heart surgery, so I'm going to do this thing. I mustered up the courage, and uh, I stopped him one morning quickly, and, just, and, I, and I asked him. 
I said, listen, this is a situation. Uh, can you please tell me? I, it's obvious that you have a beef with me. I'm not sure what it's about. And into that, like 30 seconds into that conversation, he begins to well up with tears and begins to repent and apologize to me and begins to tell me that he's the one with the challenge, that he actually walks around with blinkers on a lot, does not see people. And he says, will you pray for me? Because there's a good chance that if you're feeling this way, other people are feeling the same way. I was gobsmacked. I did not expect it to go that way. And to be honest with you, I've had other situations now where I've subsequently gone and spoken to people and it did not go that well. <laughs> but that's okay. See, that moment has taught me that actually that's how we deal with stuff. We go and talk. And it's going to be okay. See, people have left the church for that stuff. For probably less than that stuff. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you feel like, maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're going, hey, you're the dude. I've got an issue with you. Come talk to me. Please. Let's talk stuff out and let's work it out. God is very faithful. And you will grow through that process. I promise you. I absolutely promise you. There's an incredible scripture in Corinthians. It's in 2 Corinthians 3. And it goes like this. It says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Unveiled face. I believe people often talk about moving from glory to glory in Christ. I believe glory to glory is growth point to growth point. See, on this side of the growth point, it's very hard. You've got to make some difficult decisions. You're going to have to make the decision to pick up the phone or go have that hard conversation. Or you have to then journey through a process where friends or family have hurt you. You've got to journey that thing. It's hard. On the other side of the growth point is glory, is absolute glory. So when he says, I want to move you from glory to glory, it's from growth point to growth point as we devote ourselves to him and to community. Is that good? I want to encourage you this morning to be devoted to growth.